Hi there. Welcome to semester six, episode eight of the Ivy Wise Just Admit It podcast, where former deans and directors of admission give expert insight into the complex college admissions landscape. I'm Tasha, your host for this season. I'm an admissions counselor at Ivy Wise and a former international admissions officer at the University of Southern California. I'm also a former assistant director of international admissions at Boston University. I'm joined today by Mike, a master Ivy Wise counselor and former assistant director of admissions at Stanford University. He also served as an admissions evaluator at NYU and at the Haas School of Business at the University of California, Berkeley. Today with Mike, we're going to answer a simple question. What's Stanford like? Mike, how are you? Always down to talk about Stanford. I'm excited to chat with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, This is our fourth installment of these little kind of college profiles uh, where we look at some of the most popular uh, and selective universities that some of our IVY students are applying to. So we're just going to dive right in and and hear about Mike's expertise uh, having worked at Stanford by starting with a pretty simple question. Mike, can you describe a Stanford student for me? Sure. Yeah, I used to get this question a lot um, when I did presentations. It's hard to say. There isn't like a typical Stanford student. They look like a specific molds. Uh, when I was on the road, I would talk about there's like two kind of categories of students based off of your major. So they use this term called techie. And so that means you're uh, a STEM major. Stanford's well, well known for their uh, variety and strength of their STEM programs, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. And then there is what's called fuzzies, and that's essentially a non-STEM major. So those are the two kind of buckets, but I would say students, uh, for the most part, I don't know if it's the California weather, the beautiful architecture, which I'll talk about later, but students typically tend to be more laid back and friendly, especially when you compare it to some of Stanford's um, East Coast peers, which I will not name on this um, podcast. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing that's notable about Stanford when you're comparing it to some of our East Coast peers is that Stanford is one of the few that actually has a quarter system, which is, I believe, a 10-week system. So essentially in an academic year, you'll have three quarters. You'll uh, essentially take like 50% more classes at Stanford because of the quarter system than if you went to a semester-based school. So that's one thing to cons- uh, consider. And Stanford students are highly engaged on campus and in classrooms. So there's this um, idea of the Stanford duck syndrome. It's pretty common. There's articles written about it in the Stanford Daily. You can look it up. And so I, when you're thinking about that imagery, think of a duck on a lake. On the surface, the duck is very peaceful, very calm. You look under the water, that duck is paddling fiercely just uh, to stay afloat. And so um, that's part of the Stanford experience. Um, high achieving, very involved, but also, you know, it's a faster pace being on the courses. That's a that's a fun, a fun one. Stanford duck syndrome. It sounds like a disease, but it's something <laughs> that it sounds like they are uh, proud of. Um, okay, so that is thinking about students themselves, which I think is one of the most important aspects that prospective students should be thinking about when they're looking at schools is uh, what kind of students go here and do I see myself as one of those students. Uh, But I also think it's important to zoom out and think about just the basics. So Mike, can you describe Stanford in nuts and bolts? Sure. So 
Uh, Stanford, uh, overall, the student population is about 17,000 students. Undergraduates, it's, it's almost about 8,000 students. Um, it is one of the largest campus in the U.S. It's over 8,000 contiguous acres. And so uh, Stanford students, uh, a lot of them bike just because the campus is sprawling compared to some of some other institutions. Over 600 buildings. There are seven schools, business, uh, education, engineering, humanities and science, law, medicine, and school sustainability. Some of those you wouldn't be able to roll uh, unless you were a graduate student. And would you say that of any of those aspects or anything that we've talked about yet, there's anything that stands out or just what is Stanford most known for, would you say? Uh, you know, I, I would go back to, you asked me, like, what is a typical Stanford student? And I think the, um, I guess like the attitude of this, the students are a bit different because I did have students that were looking, you know, they would come to Amit Weekend, which is the yield events after students admitted where they visit um, and get experience. Stanford for the weekends. And so uh, one thing that students oftentimes noted was like the laid back and friendly atmosphere on campus. Um, you know, I mentioned that like the California vibe um, the campus is beautiful. It has, uh, it's called Richard, Richardsonian Romanesque. It's a blend of Romanesque and mission revival architecture. Most of the campus has been designed by Frederick Law Olmsted, um, who designed the uh, Central Park in New York City. And, um, you know, so I think that laid back atmosphere, the beautiful campus is one thing. Uh, definitely, I think the idea of like entrepreneurship and innovation comes up a lot because Stanford is in the Silicon Valley. Um, there are a lot of notable companies um, that were founded on the Stanford campus, like Google and Instagram, for example. So um, it has that entrepreneurial spirit. And then when you think about just like the high quality academics across the board, it's very, it's comparable to all of the top schools in the country um, across the different departments and majors. So um, that's something that uh, Stanford's known for. On top of that is the uh, high quality athletics program. So there's this Director's Cup that's awarded to the top athletic program in the country. Stanford won it 25 years in a row. The last two years, uh, University of Texas won it, but Stanford was number two. So it has that. So that's part of the um, Stanford, um, you know, community culture. Awesome. Yeah. So I do want to get into a few of the aspects that you just described individually, and that's starting with academics. Of course, academics at Stanford are high quality, uh, part of what makes it such a selective institution, but what sets them apart? Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what a, a prospective student should be thinking about when it comes to academics at Stanford? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mentioned earlier the quarter system. So I think that definitely lends itself to more academic exploration because if you're able to essentially take an extra term of courses for four years, you're going to take a lot more courses than if you went to semester school. So it really promotes um, academic exploration. And with Stanford, you, know, you may come in as like a CS or public policy major, but it's very easy to switch uh, to different majors. And that I think that's different from some of our peer schools where you're applying to the School of Engineering, the, uh, the business school. So I think that um, allows students to really explore the curriculum in the quarter system. And, um, you know, they have a, a, a lot of different academic programs to, um, to explore one's interests. So I think that's one thing that comes to mind. 
And then, um, you know, I think Stanford is historically known for their STEM program, computer science and engineering. Part of that is, you know, the connection to Silicon Valley. I think that the location really sets Stanford apart from um, other universities because you're in the heart of Silicon Valley. Entrepreneurship um, is, is big. So, you know, that's why, you know, uh, I imagine there's a lot of these companies that are started on Stanford campus because they can get funding, um, you know, working with, uh, you know, venture capitalists in the Silicon Valley. Another thing that comes to mind is Stanford really tries to promote um, interdisciplinary studies. And so that they do have interdisciplinary uh, majors such as human biology. So, you know, other schools will have a traditional biology curriculum, human biology, it'll have um, those components but it also allows students to take courses in other areas, sociology, psychology, um, there's other interdisciplinary majors such as symbolic systems, which um, incorporates uh, a little bit of like, I think of philosophy, linguistics, and computer science, with international relations, public policy, and then birth systems, which is an interdisciplinary uh, major equivalent in some ways to like a traditional environmental science major. Great. Okay. So not just computer science and engineering, although those are very strong, but obviously also some other options um, that allow students to kind of mix and match and uh, mix their interests uh, throughout the disciplines. Okay. But we all know that as much as academics are really important and um, of course, kind of the major portion of a college application. There are other parts that go into the holistic review, like extracurricular activities uh, that are very important as well. And so the reason for that is that admissions officers want to get a sense for what kinds of activities and what kinds of areas of student life you might get involved in when you arrive at their university. Um, and that's a really important aspect. And so for a prospective student looking at Stanford, they should definitely get a sense for what student life and extracurricular activities are like. Mike, can you help us out with that? Uh, what sets Stanford apart when it comes to activities outside of the classroom? Yeah, so one thing to keep in mind is, so I mentioned Stanford's a massive campus. So there's this thing called the Stanford bubble um, where all most of student life happens on campus. It is located next to Palo Alto, but most of the students, they stay on campus. Uh, Greek life is, is a thing there. I wouldn't say it dominates the campus environment. About 20% of students participate in it. I mentioned the athletic programs. So sports, sporting events is big. Part of the Stanford experience, um, yeah, especially the rivalry between Stanford and University of California, Berkeley. They have this thing called the big game where they compete uh, for, the, for the acts. Um, cause Stanford's a tree and I used to Berkeley is the Golden Bears. Um, well, there's that. And then there is also, uh, cultural centers on campus, uh, for the different, uh, cultural groups, um, that are represent the student body. Public service is also a thing. They have what's called the Haas Center for Public Service, where they have over a hundred service learning course opportunities. So, um, you know, th that's part of uh, one of the many ways you can get get involved in the Stanford community. Um, off campus, uh, yes, Stanford is located in Silicon Valley in the Bay Area. And it's, uh, they have what the Stanford Marguerite shuttle bus that could take you around campus, but it also will take you to the Caltrain, which is a train system that will take you all the way up to San Francisco. So 
you do have access to that as well. And I've done that um, quite a bit. Um, it's just easy shoot to you want to, um, you know, watch the San Francisco Giants play or the Golden State Warriors play. And it's just like a, a vibrant city. So uh, very easy to access um, San Francisco. Berkeley is across the bay. Um, it's a little bit trickier to get to, but it's definitely something you can access. Berkeley, Oakland. So just in terms of the location, the Bay Area is great. And Stanford's part of that. And the easy, um, the public transportation system is pretty good in the Bay Area. So you can, um, you know, get around definitely to San Francisco. It's a little bit complicated to get into Berkeley and Oakland. But there's, there's so much you can do off campus. But from my experience, most students stay on campus for the most part because it is that bubble. There's a lot. It's a big campus, a lot going on on campus. Um, you know, I talked a little bit about athletics, public service. Um, you could also do research as well. So we've learned a little bit more about Stanford, um, things that, you know, you would learn at an information session if you were to attend Stanford as a prospective student or if you were to go on a campus tour. But it's also really important as you're doing your research to learn about the application process. So as someone who actually used to read Stanford applications, Mike, what do you think Stanford is looking for in applicants? Yeah, so Stanford, like a lot of the top schools, will have a holistic evaluation process. So they're going to look at the entire applicants. Um, you know, academics is basically the gateway um, to be competitive. But to really stand out in the mission process, it's um, how are you distinguishing yourself through your extracurriculars and your and in your community. And so if you look at the actual Stanford supplement questions, um, I think it gives you an idea of what they value. So one of the questions, it, it, it's around some... Um, uh, an intellectually exciting idea. And so that's something, you know, that's in terms of they value your impact in the classroom and they want to understand what kinds of academic contributions you can make in the classroom, but also potentially in research and in your um, particular major. So that's something that they really look for because that's been a consistent prompt um, that they've had um, throughout the time I've been at Stanford and then now um, that I work at Ivywise, um, that's been a consistent prompt on there. Um, they also have... Uh, a note to the college roommate essay. And that's tricky for a lot of students because they always feel like um, there's a certain way to write it, but there isn't. And so that really um, shows that Sanford really wants people who are going to fit in into the community. As I mentioned earlier, it's, it is active. There's a lot of things you can do. And it, it's a laid back, friendly and collaborative environment. So they want to get a sense of that from looking at your response to the notes of roommate essay. So if you're a very meek, or solitary person, and then it comes across in that essay, then they may think that you may not be like the, the greatest fit for them. And that's something that they may consider. Um, and then the third short answer question is essentially um, asking like, what makes you unique? It's a pretty open-ended prompts. Um, when I worked at Stanford, that essay prompt was not there. It was a different prompt, which was the prompt then was, why Stanford? So they switched that prompts. And so that one, it's really, um, uh, for me, indicates that they want to see what kind of impact, what unique perspective are you going to bring in there? So I've had students write essays about their personal backgrounds, life experiences in that prompts. Others have written about like their academic and career goals. So they really want to see what kind of impact you're going to make at Stanford when you're there. So um, just the highlights. Uh, you know, they, uh, they want to see your academic contributions for the first prompts, what type of 
member going to be part of the community? Do you fit in with the separate culture? And then lastly, what is that unique impact or perspective you're going to bring to the campus? And can we take a step back and go back to the note to roommate essay? What, it, what does that mean? What is the question? What does it actually say? Okay, so I'll read the prompt. So the prompt says, virtually all Stanford's undergraduates live on campus. Write a note to your future roommate that reveals something about you or that will help your roommate and us get to know you better. So I've had students, uh, you know, the first thing is students think, is that if I future roommate going to see that? No, definitely not. It's really just to kind of see who are you um, outside of your major and how would you be as part of a, as part of the Stanford community. So, you know, I've had students write about like their hobbies, life experiences in there, um, you know, other interests that they may not have articulated um, in their prompts. Um, in other parts of the Stanford supplements or the other essay prompts. So it's pretty open-ended. Um, you know, I've had students write about, you know, like their love of coffee or tea. I've had students talk about running or some unique quirky hobbies, like, you know, collecting rocks, uh, stamp collections, stuff like that. So, um, you know, that allows students to kind of share these other things that like softer side of their application, whereas most of the other questions are very academic and academic oriented or about your potential impacts on that Stanford. Great. Okay. And so we just dove in a little bit into some of the actual application components. So um, we'll be able to skip over that. But um, I do want to talk about how a student can even apply to Stanford. So not taking any prior knowledge for granted. How does a student apply to Stanford and what are the requirements? Yeah, if, if a student is interested in applying, they would need to go on the common application. You can use that to apply to other schools that use the common application. You have to create a common application accounts. And then from there, in terms of uh, requirements, there is no hard set requirements in terms of courses you do need to take. So you don't, um, you know, need you know, like four years of a language necessarily. But if you go on the Stanford's website, they have some general guidance in terms of um, recommended courses. So typically that's four years of English, four years of math. And then for the other subject areas that are considered core areas. So math and math and English are two of them. There's also history slash social sciences or a language and then science. So those, those three science, you know, you don't need to do uh, four years. So if you're, in, if you're not a STEM major, then it, then you could, you know, instead of taking four years of science, you might take on an extra social science class, for example. Um, so history, social science, I think it generally reckons, recommends, um, you know, at least three. And then the same thing with the foreign language. But they're pretty open with that. Most important is that you're taking a most rigorous curriculum that's available to you to be competitive uh, for Stanford. So, uh, you know, it's very important for students or parents listening to this podcast to, to ensure that your student is taking advantage of the academic rigor available at your school and making sure, you know, if it offers TP, IB, you're taking a good number of them to be academically um, qualified for Stanford. And um, on top of that, uh, Stanford is uh, currently test optional. Um, and so it's not required that you submit standardized testing. But if you do have a strong standardized test score, 
then it, it definitely could help you if you do submit your um, test scores as part of your application. Stanford also requires two teacher recommendations. Generally, uh, you know, I recommend students identify someone in their 11th grade, and then if not, then their 10th grade to write the recommendation letter, someone who knows you well, ideally someone who is teaching a course in your potential major. So if you're a STEM major, then, you know, it would be math or science. If you're a social science major or humanities major, then it might be your English teacher or history teacher. So in addition to teacher recommendations, I mentioned the Stanford supplement itself, where it does have um, three short essays. And then they also do have some short questions um, and there's eight short questions, 50 words. Um, so it's like short responses. So it's like, what is the significant challenge of society faces? How do you spend your last two summers? Name one thing that you're looking forward to experiencing at Stanford. So those are just some like snapshots. Okay, so those eight questions are additional short essay supplements, is that right? Yeah, short supplement questions. So it's not like a full paragraph, like an essay. So it's just, um, you know, students think, does that be Shakespearean, very poetic? You know, when you're describing your summer, just explain what it is because you don't have a lot of space in there. And what would you say the purpose of these kinds of short essay supplements is? Um, I know that USC, where I worked, uh, has them as well and a few others. Um but many universities do not. Why do you think Stanford asks for these eight short answers? Um, I think it's just to capture more information about the student because sometimes, you know, um, what you might highlight in your supplemental essays, there's, it doesn't capture all the nuances or layers to a student. So that will help to bring that out. I mean, the, the summer, a question, they want to see students who are taking advantage of their time during the academic year, outside of the academic year, so they're productive and, you know, making impact in the classroom or in their community. Some of these other questions um, just kind of get a sense of, I mean, they, they added that um, question about like, what are you excited to experience at Stanford? You know, I mentioned that Stanford did change the question. So they want to see, have you done your research on Stanford? So it, it, is, it is informative in some ways. Um, so I think there's definitely, you know, take those seriously as you would essays and just don't just throw like a random response in it. Be mindful of how you're presenting yourself and what you're highlighting in those questions. Because they, it'll be something that they, um, they do pick up. Because I, I, I remember reading applications and uh, at Stanford, and then I saw something that really stood out to me in one of these short questions, and then it changed like how I actually looked at the student. So it is definitely helpful. Great. So if a student is really excited about Stanford, you know, if they have done their research, um, how can they further engage with Stanford and maybe show demonstrated interest? And is demonstrated interest something that Stanford even keeps track of or takes into account? Uh, you, you know, due to the highly selective nature of Stanford, I think the admit rate now is probably under 4%. Um, you know, demonstrated interest doesn't carry a lot of weight in the process because there's gonna be a lot of highly qualified students and they, they don't track that information. Um, you know, one way you can demonstrate your interest is by choosing to apply early admission to Stanford. Stanford has what's called restrictive early action. Um, the deadline is in early November. When you apply restrictive early action, it's basically saying that you are, if you are admitted to Stanford, 
um, you know, it's, it's, you're basically saying it's your top choice. So, because with that early admission programs, early action, which means it's non-binding, some other schools will have early decision, which is binding. For Stanford, it's saying that you're only going to apply early admission to Stanford and it's, you're essentially saying it's your top choice. So that's definitely one way you can demonstrate interest. I definitely think it's important to visit campus if you're able to, just to get a sense of that Stanford um, culture, community, possibly visit academic programs so you can get a better sense of whether it's a good fit for you for your intended major, because that will help you when you write your supplement. You know, as mentioned, the question about something you're looking forward to at Stanford, or potentially even your the question um, asking about your academic interests. So visiting campus is definitely helpful. Um, they do um, offer alumni interviews. So that could be another way to emphasize your Stanford fit, because as I mentioned, um, Stanford used to have a why Stanford question. Uh, we could write a full paragraph, 250 words, but then now with this newer uh, iteration of the supplements, it's only 50 words. So the alumni interview where you can articulate what you know about Stanford, your contributions, and then your fit for Stanford as well. And so that's demonstrating interest, not for demonstrated interest, because that's not tracked, but rather for um, general admission. It's like choosing an application type. So can you take us through that? What are the application options at Stanford? Yeah, so I mentioned Stanford does have an early admission program, restrictive early action. Um, but there are, I, I would recommend listeners to go on the Stanford website and look at what that policy is, because there are some exceptions on that, um, their early program. So for example, one is that even though it's restrictive early action for Stanford, which means you can apply early admission to any other private universities, you can apply to public universities if they have an early action program. So definitely look on the website for that. Um, so that's one early mission. That's the early mission timeline. Um, early November, you're back mid-December. The, and then from there, you have three options. You're either accepted, congratulations. You are deferred to regular decision or you're um, denied. And so that's just something for students to consider like, you know, where does Stanford rank on my list? Because you are making a commitment to them in some ways with your admission process because it's restrictive. So you can't apply to as many um, early schools if you applied um, elsewhere, for example. So in uh, addition to their early program, they have regular decision um, admissions as well. And that deadline is um, in early January. And then you'll share back in, um, you know, like late, late March. Okay, awesome. Thank you for clarifying that. All right, so we're just wrapping up with a few final thoughts. Um, is I would love to hear kind of what general words of advice you might have for prospective students, again, considering that Stanford is uh, certainly one of the most selective universities in the country and perhaps even the world. You know, as someone who was a part of the selection process, what kind of advice could you give Stanford hopefuls? You know, I think this is just emphasizing importance of research. Do your homework because oftentimes, um, you know, I, I, when I would recruit um, at high schools or meet with uh, prospective students, um, they didn't know too much about the, the college. So do your homework, not just for Stanford, 
but for all of your schools are a list, you know, it might be, um, you know, Stanford's going to be, um, you know, reachable for many students because it, the admission rate is low, but it's important for you to do your research to understand, is this a good fit for me? Cause you know, I just talked about early admission cause you are kind of making a commitment. Like I'm, I'm applying early admission to Stanford, you know, limits with my early, um, schools that I'm, I'm, I'm applied to. So your homework. Um, on this fit for Stanford, there's YouTube, social media, there's videos, um, you know, they'll have, um, they, they might visit Stanford, might visit your high school. They might have regional presentations, but do your homework for Stanford and all your other schools so you can understand the fit for, um, for your attended major and also like the culture and campus fit as well is with, if you're able to do research, then you can start thinking about. Am I going to make that commitment to apply early admission to Stanford? Because, um, you know, when I work with students, we have the conversation in terms of like, you know, are they competitive for Stanford university? Because for some students, um, you know, they may be like top in the school, but they may not be just because of the highly selective nature of Stanford. So we might talk about other schools that aren't as selective that they might consider, and then they might apply regular decisions to Stanford. So do your research uh, for all your schools so you know. Um, you know, what are my chances there and, um, understanding what is my strategy in terms of maximizing my, um, admission chances at a variety of schools. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. I think that's, that's really good advice, uh, is definitely for, for students to know where they're applying and definitely not just apply based on, um, name recognition or anything like that. Uh, awesome. So that just about wraps up this episode of Just Admit It. Again, this was episode eight of semester six. Our next episode, episode nine, will cover will cover another element of the college admissions rubric, and that's essays. We're going to answer the question, how should I tackle college application essay prompts? Just like the ones we discussed uh, today with Mike. In the meantime, you can catch up on all of our previous episodes by visiting our podcast page and be sure to bookmark our knowledge base for additional help with navigating the complex and competitive admissions process. If there are any topics you'd like us to cover in the next semester, please email us. You can email us at podcast at ivywise.com. Don't forget to follow us on socials. Also, for more resources on the higher ed landscape, you can find us at at follow ivywise. And that's on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. All right. Thank you so much for being here, Mike. Thanks, Sasha. Nice talking to you. Same here. All right. So from Ivy Wise, I'm your host, Tasha, and this has been Just Admit It. See you next time. Bye.